I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, we are back uh, with another edition of the pod. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? What's new? Uh, well, there's been a lot going on with the Leafs, obviously. They were out west again. What an insane schedule. They go west to California. They come back for like a couple games. Then they go back out west uh, to Western Canada and Seattle. Like Just a crazy, nutty schedule. Yeah, and then they're going to be... Then they come home for one game, and then they go to Winnipeg, which feels like it should have been part of the Western trip, but it never is, right? Like, it's always it's always the same trip every year, because you and I have traveled that so many times. It's always Calgary first, or Edmonton first, then Vancouver, and now Seattle's like the new one that they tack on at the end, but it's always the same way. Yeah, and usually it's spread out. Like, usually you don't have it both trips within the same month, so I guess that's why it's uh, unusual. Uh, but so we're going to have Frankie Corrado on, which uh, will be a treat because obviously he's become one of the best broadcasters I think there is in hockey or there are there is. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the Leafs trip. Um, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle. They finish it off with a win in Seattle. Not like an especially like convincing win, especially given the players that Seattle is missing. What did you make of the, the trip that they had? Well, they won. They beat the two non-playoff teams, right? They they beat they won the easy, two easiest games and they lost the two for lack of a better term harder games. Yep. Um kind of you know it really feels like a roller coaster right now, doesn't it? Like it's just and and the fan base is like on the roller coaster too. You know, it's yes. like it's like they 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 lose to Vancouver and it's like oh is is the coach getting fired and they got to make a trade and like this team's not good and then then they grind out a low scoring road game against Seattle. I thought they were solid against the Kraken. They did what they needed to do back to back. Um and then it kind of things temper down a little bit, but you know, if they lose both these games to Winnipeg this week, I'm sure it's going to it's going to all ramp up again. So I think it's hopefully our show is not like <laughs> as reactionary as like the market feels right now, but um, I don't know. It just, I, I don't, I don't, does it feel like when I know you weren't, you weren't at all of these games, but around the team, does it feel, it, it, I get the sense that it's, it's, it's tense right now around the team. It's been tense for sure. And I wasn't on this past trip. I was on the California trip. Joshua Cloak was there for us. Um, but you can feel it. Uh, you can feel it in some of these these post game media availabilities, pre game media availabilities. It, it's tense, and it understandably like they were in a wild card spot at, at one point. There, they're just kind of barely hanging on to third in the division, and it's just like you're right. It, it really is swinging so rapidly from game to game. Like I know, you, like you mentioned, they they played well in Seattle, it's, but but even the reaction to that game feels a little bit like like. Ilya Samsonov was like George Vesna. Like, it's like he, he was, he made some saves, but like, it wasn't like an especially, like, I didn't walk away from that game being like, oh, they're turning a corner, like everything is okay. And, and obviously the Vancouver game wasn't great. You know, the Calgary game wasn't great. The Edmonton game wasn't great. Like, they're just, I don't know. Like, it, we've seen in the past with Sheldon Keefe coach teams in the regular season, they go in these little spurts where they dip and then they go on these long, 
streaks, even if they're they're not playing particularly well, like they had one earlier this year. But there's just not a ton. If I were with the team, that I'd be feeling really good about. Um, they haven't all know. year. Like like what they're 45 games into the season all year. They haven't had a run of like seven or eight games that they could build on where you were like that was really good and they they locked some things in whereas last year i mean last year the last two years jonas they finished f- fourth in the league in the regular season yes. like they were one yeah. of the best teams in the whole league and right now they're fighting for i mean what are they right now 12th and they in yeah. 11th by points i don't have points percentage in front of me they they were probably lower in points percentage cuz uh, edmonton's got a bunch of games in hand on them but they just They've taken a big time step back. And I was thinking about this over the weekend. There's been a lot of attention on, and I don't know where you're going next with the questions. There's been a but there's been a lot of attention on the offseason they had and the new players not really contributing as much as as they need them to. Yeah. But also the big thing that's happened too, Jonas, is like players that had good seasons last year are not having good seasons this year. And important players, Sam Snob is not probably number one, Tavares. Brody is huge. I'm, I'm uh, Giordano. Remember how good Giordano was for mo- long stretches of yeah. last year? Um, you know, go down the list. And Austin Matthews is on pace for one of the best goal scoring seasons in NHL history. Nylander's taken a big leap from the, the season he had last year, which was a career year. And they're still, they've taken this big, pretty big step back from fourth down to, you know, let's, let's call it 12th in the league. And and it hasn't just been the bad off season. It's been there's been more than that has gone wrong for them so far yeah, this year. That, I think that's a good analysis. I mean, if you looked at their roster, I'm looking at their depth chart right now, and you said who's had a really good or good to very good season, you'd say Matthews, you'd say Neilander, you'd say Riley, you'd probably say like Jake McCabe, and then you'd be like, hmm, and you'd look around and it's like some of these players are just not having great years and you mentioned some of the the returning players and obviously the offseason doesn't work i mean sheldon keith mentioned during that trip that their offense had become like a bit of a, a problem for them and it's like well you, you think about it it's like well john Tavares isn't scoring at all tyler bertuzzi isn't scoring at all that's two-thirds of your second line max domi doesn't score uh whoever's been on that third line with him like yarncock scores occasionally the fourth line doesn't score at all their power play is like hasn't been great lately and it's like well yeah now it makes sense they're not scoring and defensively obviously they have had their problems so it all kind of pieces together into a pie that doesn't really feel great um and it it leads you to wonder like what do they do um and that's kind of one of the things that's been swirling around now it's like well do they try to improve it do they just say well it's not going to be this year I don't know. Like to me, it's very clear that you have to continue to try to make the team better. And you're going to open this door right up. now. I mean, this this is going to take us yeah. 20, 20 minutes to uh, get into that. Maybe, that one. Well, we can come back to it after Frankie. We we, we should even not actually talk about it with Frankie. Um, so maybe yeah, you're married. Maybe it, we should it, say that. It's. It, I mean, it's it's a huge meatball. There's there's yeah. There's a very real debate over what do they do? What 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 do they do? You know with. Like they're they're in such a precarious position in terms of how close they are to the playoff cutoff line that you can't trade a first round pick. Do you want to trade? You know, and and that's why I mean a lot of the talk is that they're they're going to only be able to trade for players that have term that they can keep for a while, and that really limits what you can do at the deadline. It's much easier to trade for rental players, so they've got the cap space from the Klingberg contract on LTIR. That's the good news. The bad news is they don't know if they're good enough if they can can go for it. So I think we should talk about this more deeper into the podcast, but that's kind of my like one minute version of where they're at right now. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh well, so let's go back to kind of more is it micro? That was macro, right? That's macro. That's big. Um Ilya Samsonov wins for the first time since I think it was December 9th. I have to check. Um he made the saves he was supposed to make and he made a few he wasn't supposed to make. And now like it's it's turning a little bit of a corner. I still think it's too early to make any real conclusions just based on the opponent that they're playing. Um where are you at with Samsonov after, you know, he plays that Detroit game, he plays this game. 
feeling well, better slightly about his prospects. He's he's poking his head back in the picture here, but yeah. you know he's he's got a ways to go. He's his save percentage is up to eight sixty six. So um, it's hard when you don't face a lot of shots. I mean, those games can be really difficult for goalies, and some of the ones he did face were were difficult. So I give him full marks for that. I mean, he only let in the one goal. You win the game. Um, but but from how many poor games he's played and how shot his confidence was, obviously there's there's still a long road to go for him to get back to the goalie he was last year. And I don't know. It's just, did you see his post game comments after talking on the broadcast? Like it, he just he seems like he doesn't seem like the same person almost as last year. Like just very his confidence is just so low that he's going to need. He's going to need to string together a few good weeks, not not one or two games, in order, I think, to build himself back up. And the interesting thing is that they they kind of need to know if Samsonov is part of the plan here through the rest of the year. Like they need to use this next, what do you think, two weeks until Wool gets back? They need to see if Samsonov's going to be one of their guys. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a break and let's get into that with Frankie, uh, among other stuff. There's lots to actually pick through with Frankie. Uh, so let's take a break and then let's start there uh, with our guy, Frankie Garato. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. He is a, a rising star in our industry. It's true. He's a former Leaf. He's a former Canuck. He's a great analyst, I think, of of the modern NHL, having played in it so recently and just breaking everything down. He is from TSN. He's Frankie Corrado. Frankie, what's up? Hey, not much. Most importantly, I sit next to you at the Leaf Games when we have them <laughs> on TSN 1050. That is the best part of my job. That's why you took the job, right? Was... That's that was yeah. It was in the fine print. I caught it. Like you get to sit next to Jonas at the Leaf Games, and, and you guys get to chew the fat between periods. I love it. <laughs> well, so Frankie, we were talking before you came on about Ilya Samsonov, and I think they have an interesting decision to make, not just this week, but in the coming weeks. Uh, Joseph Wall is going to be back soon, and then they're going to have to decide, like, who are our guys? Wall, obviously, is going to be one of them. What would you do with that second spot? Would you keep three goalies? Do you feel like just because the upside of Samsonov is, is higher than Martin Jones, he's your guy? Like, Martin Jones is leading the team in wins. Um, I know he's kind of come back to earth, but where are you at with that? I'm honestly of the mindset that I would just take this right down to the wire. Like I, I would, I wouldn't even have it in my mind right now what I want to do with that decision because until Joseph Wall is like ready to take the net, I'm, I'm thinking like, why do I need to pigeonhole myself in, into one thing? As far as both of the goaltenders play, like Samsonov hasn't been good this year. He's finally put together two starts where you could say one was fine. It was okay. I thought last, you know, the game against Seattle, it was a good game for him. Mind you, he only got, what was it, 18 shots. So it wasn't an overly busy night. But for a player that's struggling with confidence, like at least that's that's a game where you can leave the rink feeling good about your performance. There's one other performance that Samsonov had this year that reminded me of the one last night. And there's a common theme. It was the game against Nashville at home yep. on a Saturday night. It was an 18-shot game. I believe it was a shutout. And that was a game where the team played really neat and tidy in front of him. So when that happens, and you can't count on that happening every night because the NHL is too hard of a league and the players are too good, Samsonov doesn't look too bad. But if they can put together a couple more performances like that, you know, like and, and that, that kind of strings together a couple weeks here where, where you feel like he's playing well, then you'll have a better understanding of where he's at and where Martin Jones is at. For me, like Martin Jones is kind of running out of steam. Like I, I feel like they're really trying to extract as much as they possibly can from him. And he's been really busy. Like that's a lot of workload for, for a guy that a wasn't expecting to, to really be in that position. Like best case scenario for Martin Jones this year 
he was a backup guy playing back-to-backs. Like that was supposed to be the the, the most he was going to play for this team. So he's played a lot and his game kind of reflects that right now. So it's it's not a decision that needs to be made today. I'd be thinking like let's let's see how let's really evaluate over the next couple of weeks here and and have a more definitive answer at that time when Walls re- ready to come back. I'm curious on your take um just what's happening with the Leafs defensively because yes the personnel is different. Yes they brought in some players in the offseason that aren't the best, you know, maybe two-way players, but they also have a lot of guys who were here last year who played a lot better than they are playing now. Giordano, Brody come to mind, Tavares, David Kampf. I mean, what are you seeing from some of the incumbent guys, and why do you think they're having a weaker season than they did last year? It's it's It, it definitely has something to do with the personnel. It also has something to do with the personnel being one year older and, and not really... Yeah. insulating the personnel that's a year older with that like influx of youth that can pick up the you know the the load that maybe those guys haven't been able to this year the blue like why don't we start with the blue line because the blue line is interesting right like it, it obviously is not as deep as it was last year especially after the the trade deadline but one of the like one of the things that really sticks out for me is not the lack of physicality because that's always been the case with the Leafs blue line and Simon Benoit has done a good job here and stepped in and like he's physical like he actually throws his body around and throws hits he's not afraid to to like get into those situations but it's a little more like the situational physicality and what I mean by that is like look at the Saturday game against Vancouver and you know, Morgan Riley's been so good this year. Like, he really has been. And he's had to carry the lion's share of basically everything on this blue line. And maybe at this point in the year, like, that workload is catching up to him. Because the the Connor Garland goal, where, where they take the lead in that game, it's like, that, that should just be a cross-check or get in the guy's way, take the penalty, who cares? And, and even, like, TJ Brody at times, like, I've seen he's in front of the net. And the Everly goal against Seattle is a great example where it's like, in that situation, you can be a little more physical, even though it's not your game. Like, it might not be your, you know, your bread and butter, but like understanding the situation when you can do something a little bit more. Um, and, and Sheldon Keefe's actually talked a little bit about Timothy Lilligran, and that's one of those ones that flies under the radar. Like, let me ask you this. I'll put it to both you guys. How long can we keep having the conversation at the start of the season? where we say this is the year Lilligren really needs to be a, a legit top four guy. Cause I feel like we've said that the last two years at least. Yeah. And I, that was top of mind for me, Frankie, like coming out of the weekend, it's like, we, we keep saying, well, this is the year top four, top four. And then like something happens, he gets hurt or like you look at the last two playoffs, like he, he was scratched for most of the last two playoffs. Like he just wasn't a guy that they felt comfortable relying on. And you look and you think and like, they're, they're trying to get another defenseman. Well, if they were really sure that they had a top four defenseman to Timothy Logren, maybe they don't need a two defensemen. Maybe they well, just need one. The or maybe like be internally Jonas. Yes. Like that. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like I saw over the weekend, and this is a great little, little test. Um, the, the differences between the Vancouver Canucks and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a lot of people rightfully so pointed out that Canucks have been a train wreck for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. All yeah. of a sudden, they're the best one, you know, the best team in the NHL, and they beat up on the Leafs on home ice. And you say, well, how come they've been able to turn it around that quickly? And the Leafs are not only stuck where they were, but have perhaps taken a step back. And two things come to mind, two things that are internal. One, JT Miller has really accepted this like role where he's going to take on the tough assignments and relishes that and, and kind of challenged himself internally to, to, to take that upon himself. And he's done a great job. And Brock Besser, who was a great goal scorer early in his career, who's had his own struggles uh, away from the game that have maybe held him back a little bit, he's probably been the bounce-back player of the year in the NHL. So if you take that to the Leafs and you say, okay, there's two players on this roster – that you think could have had massive improvements this year, like within the group, doesn't that solve a lot of problems for your own group? But you can't sit there and say that, you know, two guys that 
weren't, you know, weren't at their best last year have been, you know, uh, head and shoulders better than they, they, than they, than they have been this year. Well, Demko too, right? I mean, like, yeah. not only I mean, that, yeah. I mean, they did a nice job too, like filling out around their star players with some of the depth they brought in, like Susie, Ian Cole, uh, uh, Suter, um, who else did they bring in? I mean, it's, uh, Lafferty. Luger, like they, they yep. had to target down the middle, right? Because they, they needed help down the middle and they might still need help down the middle if they're going to go with the lotto line. Because uh, as, as of right now, Pew Suter is the second line center, which he'd probably have him lower in the lineup. But I agree, James, like the, the way they filled out their blue line, there's a lot to be envious of there because they went with tree stumps, but not just tree stumps. Like they went with guys that can move. Like <laughs> yeah. Ian Cole's been good. He's made the playoffs nine years in a row. Like he's he, he's a good third pair defenseman. Everyone knows the Leafs wanted to get Zadorov and they weren't able to do it. So, yet, you know, you have to at least consider them in the fight on that. They're using Tyler Myers better than they ever have been. So, like, the Leafs, the Leafs don't have that makeup, right? Um, it, it's funny, like, w- what would you say the identity of this Leafs team is right now? Because you can look to certain teams around the league and say, I know exactly what they are. Like, they don't you have, have a hard one. time describing what the Leafs are. They don't have one. And They're, you're right. Like, they're a one line team where when Matthews is on the ice, they dominate. And then otherwise yeah. they're scrambling to keep up is what they are. Yeah. That's the, that's for me, that's the identity. The identity is Matthews, Marner, Nylander will have a big night and the team has a very good chance to win, but it's still not guaranteed that they win. That's, you know, yeah. that's, that's when they're at their best. Well, Frankie, to your point, like go through the defense. So Lilligren doesn't make the leap that maybe you hope TJ Brody gets older. Mark Giordano gets older to the point where it's like, can he play every night? And it's like, well, there you go. That's like, and John Klingberg, they pay $4 million to, and he doesn't play. Yeah. So it's like, there's your, there's everything. That's, that explains it. Man, the, the, the geo thing, like I love Mark Giordano. He is such a warrior and he's been that way for so long. It's not his fault that he's just been run into the ground this year and been asked to do way too much. Like I, ideally geo was doing this back-to-back kind of healthy scratch load management thing right from the start of the year, but he wasn't yeah. he wasn't able to do that because of the injuries because Klingberg wasn't available. So you know now we're seeing the wear and tear on Geo probably three months earlier than we we may have expected. So I have so like I have so much respect for him as a player and what he's still able to do at age forty, but he's he's a victim of the circumstance on the blue line for the team this year. And then the other player that stands out as taking potentially an age-related step back is Tavares. I mean, uh, what are you seeing from him? I know his shooting percentage is down, and I know he hasn't had as much as many bounces on the power play as he did last year, but do you see anything kind of with his game that's that's hurting him right now? The shooting percentage is such a big thing, and I would expect that to, to even out. Like, I, I've been following Montreal quite a bit now with Cooley moving on to Ottawa. Like, I've had to call those games. Like two weeks ago, Cole Caulfield's shooting percentage was 7.8, and he's a career 12.5%. Then he just scored five games in a row. He went up like a percentage and a half, almost two percentage in, in five games. Like that that can even out, and it, and it probably should for, for John because like he should still get those, those opportunities close around the net, although even those like aren't, um, those aren't as prevalent as, as they were when he was doing his best. There's one like one thing that really sticks out to me with Tavares. Last two years, he's had great starts to the season, and yeah. he was healthy going into the summer, and so he was able to almost grab a half a step coming out of the gate two years in a row. And with the way the season goes on, like the hips tighten up, you know, you're you're not getting any younger, and it feels like that half step has been lost. And he's having a little bit of trouble, like getting through the neutral zone the way he was like early in the year, John Tavares was making it happen off the rush. Like I I remember games where it was like, there's another Tavares goal. There's a Nylander goal set up by Tavares off the rush. Like we're, we're not seeing that anymore. So yeah, a little bit has to do with the shooting percentage, but at this point of the year, that half step is gone. And when he loses that half step, his game declines a lot. Like he really relies on that. Um, so, you know, maybe that the all-star break will be a great opportunity for him to, to rest a little bit, but that's kind of like the grind of the season for him. It, it almost works in like this three, four month interval where it's like, has the half step at the, the start of the year, 
slows down a little bit, gets a little bit of a rest, has it again. Then we get into the playoffs, and then we're all coming on our, our respective shows saying, oh, man, I don't know if you can do it with him as the number two center again because it just didn't look good in the playoffs. I think you're absolutely right. And I think I remember writing, actually, Frankie, early in the season, there was a game where he had like a burst that was like one of the the highest in the league to that point. Like he was skating faster than he ever had or than he had in recent years. And it's just like they're asking him to do so much playing center at his age. I guess the only thing I would say with the shooting percentage, I wonder what you guys think. And James, maybe you can chime in. This is not, this is a long time. Like he's gone 20 straight games without a five on five goal. He has one five on five goal in the last 29 games. This feels like that's, that's pretty alarming to me. Like there is some shooting percentage in there for sure, but I don't know, like this would worry me if I was management, that this is something deeper and that if like, I got to find a solution that's going to, ease the load on him, ease the pressure. So I don't know, like he's 33, he's played 30 or a thousand games. He's 15 NHL seasons in, you know? I Well, I, I feel like a lot of the people who like make decisions on the team and I can't speak for them, but anyone who like has a good pulse on this team, it wouldn't be news to them that this was the, the danger in Tavares at this point in his career, at this point in the contract. Like, I think we all knew that. And that's why at the start of the year, when he got off to that great start, you know, a lot of the a lot of the narrative was was him underrated, underappreciated. I have a hard time saying that a, an eleven million dollar player is underrated, but I could say maybe underappreciated because he has been such a consistent point getter for the team. But you know, at, at this point, with the way the the drought has gone, the way his game looks, his inability to drive things at five on five, like Sheldon Keith is still kind of looking for answers as far as how he can get Tavares going at five on five and and it's not like exclusive to this year. Like that's been, you know, that's been years. That's been years now where, you know, there was, there was that year two years ago where Tavares and Nylander couldn't play anymore at five on five. And Sheldon was trying everything and everyone to try and uh, see if he could ignite that, that line, like $11 million player, regardless of where you're at in your career and what you've done and the 47 goals you got in your first year of the contract, it's all great. But under no circumstances should the coach be having to say, like, I need someone to get the $11 million guy going. So, it, it, you know, hopefully this the, the all-star break does him some good because, like, the team really needs him if they're going to get, you know, get past the identity of Matthews, Marner, Nylander, have a good night, and the team has a chance to win a game. Like, he has to be in that conversation as well. It has to be a one-two punch down the middle. So if we move your seat in the press box from beside Jonas to uh, beside... Brad Tree Living, uh, what would you do? What would you do with this team right now? Honestly, I wouldn't be trying to mortgage too much of the future for this year's team. And I get the argument that, you know, you should, with this, you know, Matthews and Marner, you should be all in because they're here and there's always a chance with them, but they're going to be here next year. And next year is going to be actually even more of a, a cap crunch. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But chances are like, we know Matthews and Nylander are going to be here for sure. If you've learned anything from the contract negotiations, like chances are Marner is going to be here again. So to say that you need to mortgage things for this year, like I just don't know how you can sit there and watch the way things have gone for this team this year and be like, there might be something in the water this year. Like there might just be a little extra juice. I, I don't know. You might be trying to trying to push it a, a little bit. So I would maybe try, like I would be thinking this, if there's one real hot spot that we think we can improve on this team. And for me, that would be the blue line. If we can do something that way, I would look to do something, but I'm not looking to do blue line center ice, maybe a winger, like, I just I have a, I would have a hard time moving on from all these futures and all these potential great pieces to mortgage something for this year and then go through an offseason where you sit there and you have to try and put the pieces back together again. And it's just like, I don't know, it's I don't I don't think this is a year you mortgage things and, and really go all in. All right, well, Frankie, I disagree but I, I think you made a really strong case that is going to make me think about this now for the next few months. Actually, that's what I like about this. We're, we're allowed yeah. to disagree. 
you know, we bring good arguments to the table and, and we'll sit and chat about it next <laughs> time we're in the stadium together. You made a very good point. Well, are you going to be there on Wednesday for the Jets? That's a big game for both teams. Well, more for the Leafs than it is for the Jets. No, I wish I was because I've, I've actually watched a lot of Winnipeg this year. I've been doing a lot of those games. We have the CHL Top Prospects game on Wednesday. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice. All right. Well, Frankie, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time. Keep pumping out those videos. Keep killing it on TV and keep doing your thing. You're, you're great, man. Thank you. And actually, recently, someone called me Frankie Caroni on Twitter, and I thought that was a violation. So, no, I. We, so we shouldn't call you that then. That's not. That's not the nickname going forward. Frank Caroni on Twitter. Yeah, that was a tough one. But, uh, Sounds like Crony. <laughs> they call Jonas the Crony. Yeah, Frankie's part Crony. Thanks, Frankie. All right, boys. Thank you. Hey, see ya. You mentioned before, James, that you had some top line thoughts. We got your top line thoughts. We got Frankie's top line thoughts. I think Frankie's point is is very well made. I don't think he's wrong. I I don't agree. Um, well, he's saying don't, that you, don't go all in, right? Like, I mean, I don't think. But then, what are you trading? Like, how are you making the team better? I guess would be well, the question. Like, I think you either try and trade for players that are going to be here beyond just this season. So that, you know, like the Jake McCabe situation, try and look for deals like that or make trades kind of like the Giordano Blackwell one they made two years ago where you're not giving up a first round pick. You're not giving up a top prospect. You'll give up other things and you'll get players who aren't as big a difference makers. Well, I mean, but but even that trade, like I believe off the top of my head, I think they gave up two second round picks yes. in that trade. They don't yes. even have they don't have second round picks. Well, like, three they, third round they, picks then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they only have one third round. Seven seventh year. rounders for a defenseman. <laughs> they, have, they just like, I, I just, they don't have a ton to trade. Um, I get this argument about not trading the first round pick, but like that pick ain't helping you for like five years. Like, well, you, you have can John only Tavares trade it, Jonas, if you're getting someone who helps you beyond this year, because, well, and the other thing, if they miss the playoff, Jonas, I mean, that pick's going to be in the lottery. Yeah, but I guess the idea was that you're trading for. If I'm trading the first round pick, I'm getting someone or someones who improve the team, and then you're not worried about the. But playoffs. like Chris Tanev's like, not a first round pick, so no, I, I'm with you. But if okay. you can get, you look at the trade board though, and there's not that many players on that list that are like, yeah, I want to trade a first round pick for this guy. Like, there's, I don't know, maybe just Elias Lindholm would be the only one, and and I don't think he wants to sign here. Yeah, but like, so what if you trade first round pick plus, 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 and you get both guys? Like, is is that worth it? Like, to me, that's worth it. Like, I think you I, only want to do it if they want to sign an extension right away. I, I I get the, I get that. I don't think it's wrong. I guess I just look at this team and it's like, Tavares is 33. Marner has a year more on his contract after this. Riley is 30. Riley is never probably, or Riley, is he 30? He's 29. Is he ever going to play better than this? TJ Brody, this is the end. Like he's done at the end of the year. We'll see what happens. Like Jake McCabe is 30. Like you're, I, I just think it's risky to like be like, wow, there's going to be other years. It's like you just never know. Well, I mean, some people are saying they should sell, and I totally disagree with that. Like I think that that's, that would be just bizarre. Yes. Look how open, wide open the league is. You know, there, there have been teams like Edmonton was looked dead and gone, and then they turn it around and, I've been waiting, you know, 45 games in, I've been waiting all season for signs of life from this team and it just hasn't happened. And now I'm starting to wonder if there is life in this team. And I think, you know, the fans are seeing the same thing. Like for all of the complaints about the Leafs teams the last couple of years and not being able to get it done, they were top five in the league year after year. I think probably the last, is the last three years they're top five? I mean, certainly when the, the year with the Canadian division they were, like they've had very good regular seasons going back to 2020. This year is not a good regular season. Like this is, no. this is coasting by on a few players pushing you to that. Like they're just, they're too good to be worse than this. This is about as bad as this team can be, unless like Matthews is out or something like that. You know, not not knock on wood. Not trying to jinx anybody, but like it's hard to envision this roster being significantly worse than this. Yeah, I, I I mean, and part of that is like stuff from the past, decisions made in the past, and part of those decisions, like you mentioned before, the off season, like 
that's that's part of my gripe with this whole thing it's like well you made you made mistakes like uh, by you i'm referring to the front office like you made mistakes and now you're just gonna be like well you know it's not meant to be this year it's like well you need to kind of try to fix your mistakes like they spent like 16 million in cap space on bertuzzi klingberg domi camp and who's the other guy and reeves and like yeah, it does feel like a little bit of a cop-out if they don't do anything like i mean Especially, James, the other point I wanted to make is like, especially when you decided, whoever decided, Brendan Shanahan, that you're bringing the core back again. Like, you can't then just be like, well, not going to work this year. It's like you, you decided that this was worth trying again in spite of all the evidence that it wasn't working. Like, I don't know. Those two things just kind of give me pause and make it feel like a little bit of a cop out. Yeah, but I, I don't even know that bringing the core back is, is what's happened here. Well, right? it's like, part of it, right? But I mean, like, do we think trading one of those guys, they're in a better... I don't know. They, you know, they couldn't trade Tavares. No one was talking about trading Brody. You know, you you, you can't... There's no point in trading Giordano. No one was talking about moving off of Samsonov after last year. Yeah, they, they should have used the 20 million they had in cap space better. I I really think that they need to make a trade or two to shake things up. Well, I guess the question is like, who is that person persons? Like does one defenseman change your life? Like I, I do think it would help. Like if you could find a defenseman who could play with Riley, ease the the load on, on TJ Brody, I think that helps. Like that's a step in the right direction. And it's like, you look at some of the things that they did last year, it didn't cost like a ton. Like Luke Shen was like a third round pick. Yes. Uh, they trade Pierre Engvall for a third round pick. Like you it's, can do that's stuff. That's what they should the margins, be doing. Right. That's what they should be doing. Yeah. And they should do it sooner rather than later. I guess the, the, the problem right now is that the asking price is so high. Like they've, you know, they've looked yeah. at some of this stuff and teams are asking for a lot. So they just kind of, kind of wait till you're closer to the deadline and hope the prices come down. And like I said, the quality of what's available, you look at, at CJ's trade board last week, like it's, there's not a lot there. So the sellers are in a, in the driving position right now. You well, know, one guy. I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like the Leafs have the cap space. They've got four or 5 million to do something. And the longer they wait to do something, I mean, if they, if they keep skidding, you might end up in the ditch here. Yeah. And so then even fortifying the roster is even more important just to get your season back on track. Like you can't, you just can't waste like Matthews might, like you pointed out before, you might have a 70 goal season. And you're just going to waste that potentially because of all these different transactions. One guy, uh, I actually meant to get to with Frankie because Frankie and I were texting about him that he thinks would help the Leafs, uh, was Sean Monahan just as an, an option in mm -hmm. the middle Mm -hmm. Played well in Montreal this year. Yep. What do you think of that? Yeah, of I've been thinking about him. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the asking price is. I mean, he's he's a great comeback story, right? Like it looked like it looked like he was on his way out of the league and then he's been able to bounce back. And I'd have to look I, I've only seen him play a couple times this year. I'd have to look closer at, you know, some of like the, the I would really want to see the two way piece and the defensive piece. They need somebody that they can play against good players. They need they need oh. another they need another player that they can play, especially down the middle that they can build a, some sort of a checking line against. Well, you don't know. look at that RAPM chart. Then it's not good for him. It's not it's not good. But like part of that is like he's playing not on a good team. Like he's probably playing more. He is playing more than he would be playing for the Leafs. But you're right. Like something. I mean, one of the maybe the most interesting thing that came out of that whole trip. And it was our guy, Cloak, who, who asked Keith about Brody. And he got around to this point where he basically said, I don't know who I can trust. And he was referring to like protecting leads. And that's like been an issue you and I have been talking about since the summer with some of the moves that they made. And it's like you go down the roster and it's like, how many guys can you really, if you're in Keith's position, can you put on the ice in a one goal game and feel like it's going to be okay? Like they're not going to fuck this up, basically. And there's not a lot. And you even look in that Seattle game, like there are a lot of guys, they just don't want to play. Like they just clearly do not trust them to protect the lead. And so you're right. If you can find more players like that, who, when the game gets tight, you know, they're just going to do the right things and you're going to be okay. 
Uh, I don't know. I guess that's to your point. Like, who is that? I don't know who that is. Like, well, Lindholm I mean, would help in that regard for sure. When the coach is coming out publicly and saying, I don't know who I can trust on my team, that's an indictment of who he's got yes. on the roster. Like, it's 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 tough. And I, I don't know. It's, it, it's a combination between not bringing in the right pieces in the offseason and, and the team getting older and... I mean, I think last year they were what, like the fourth oldest team in the league, and then you add another year. It's not like they added it. There's not not really a youth movement that's come on to the roster. I, I their average age is I think 29, a little over 29 years old. That's that's yeah. old in the NHL. I, I I watch a lot of hockey, and like there's there's 21, 22 year old kids on other teams that are playing big minutes, and the Leafs don't have that. They they're put they put. Matthew Nizing over his head this year and he's really struggling right now. And I don't know. I'm just, I, I, this show's probably coming across as doom and gloom to some people, but it's more than halfway through the year. And other than, other than the seasons that Matthews and Nylander have had, just not seeing enough to, to believe in this group, which is deeply, deeply concerning. So, and I think that we haven't talked about it yet, but I think that that's, where the all the talk about the hot seat in Sheldon Keefe, where it comes into play, because you know you you watch the Islanders fire their coach and bring in Patrick Waugh, and I I watched that game yesterday instead of the NFL games everyone else was watching, and you can see the bump, you can see the emotion on the bench with having a new voice there, and I don't think that Sheldon Keefe is to blame here, but it just may be that if management isn't able to make the kind of trades they want to make, they might have to just change something just to see if they can save the season. Well, I think two points on that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, number one to me is I think you need to ask yourself is like, is this roster better with a different coach or are, are the results going to be different with a different coach? And I, I just don't think so. I think you might be right. You get a bump, but those bumps eventually wear off. Like you can go back to the year that Sheldon Keefe was hired when they fire Mike Babcock and they got a bump, they went on like, you remember that stretch? I can't remember yeah. how many games it was. But, but and then, and then James, if, if any team needs a bump though, right now it's, it's yes. this one, but James, remember what happened then the bump wore off and then come the trade deadline. Do you remember that press conference by Kyle Dubas where he was like angry? Like he didn't want to do anything to improve the team because he was basically saying this team doesn't have it. The roster didn't have it. And so I just think like you're making a move for a temporary bump that eventually is going to wear off. Like a, a new coach isn't going to be able to play anyone. Like they're playing Simon Benoit 20 minutes a night, some games like that's, that's great for Simon Benoit. He's been a really nice story, but if you're trying to win a cup and you think like that's enough, you're like, you're kidding yourself. Like they just don't have the roster isn't built for sustained success. And like, to me, making firing Sheldon Keefe would be like, it would be, be become a scapegoat. Like he would be the cop out for mistakes from the front office. Like, I just don't believe he's the issue. Yeah. But the alternative is if you can't make a trade to improve the roster, the alternative is you're just not doing anything and we'll see it. But I mean, time's running thin. Like how many more games do they have until the trade deadline? Not many. Like we're six weeks out, you know? Yeah. It's March it, 8. Yeah. Eight, 18 games, you know, so. Well, you we, mentioned the young guys, James. I, I did want to touch on that. Like part of that obviously dates back years and years and years to, to miss drafts. And that's Lou Lamorello. That's Kyle Dubas. Like some of that didn't pan out, but like you look at their young guys, Matthew Nye, as you mentioned, like they were asking too much for him. He's back on the top line, but he is what he is. He's like, he's a really young guy. First year in the league, never played in the AHL. Nick Robertson like just can't seem to gain Sheldon Keefe's trust. Um, the Timothy Logan thing has been up and down. Like, th- I was actually don't, sorry to interrupt you. I was actually surprised yeah. that Keefe sort of called Logan out because I thought he's been okay. I mean, he's coming back from a tough injury, and yeah, it's just been like so up and down, James. And like, yeah. it 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 kind of just it, it's like every year it's like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and it's well like, he just might be like a four or five defenseman like yeah yeah maybe i honestly at this point i think that's what he is and like obviously he's going to be 25 in april like he's not old he hasn't played a ton of games in the league but that would be really helpful like if he was 
if he was someone right now, you could be like, you know what? TJ Brody's really struggling. We're going to play him on the top pair with Morgan Riley. And that's going to be a really good pair that you can play against top lines. And like, I, I don't think that that's yeah. the case. Part of the thing right? with Brody right now is they don't have anyone else they can put up there. Right. There's, there's nobody. I mean, if you, yeah, put, I was thinking you, you put, put McCabe, McCabe there, if you put McCabe up, but then all of a sudden your other pairs are. Yep. Yeah. You're right. It's just he, like, it's a really hard thing. They're lucky that McCabe has figured it out. Cause remember he had a really tough start to the season and he's been, I mean, he's kind of all over the place. It's funny. McCabe's the kind of guy that he's, he's a, he's a Rover a little bit. Like he almost needs like a Tanev to play with who just stays at home. And it's, it's too bad that the, McCabe and Brody really didn't work last year because it feels like that should work for whatever reason it didn't. Well, and that was always my issue with that trade. And they traded a first round pick in that trade. It's like he didn't solve what they really needed. And I, and like, I know he he's helped and like for 2 million bucks for this year and next, like that's, that's nice value for a guy playing 20 minutes a game, but like it still left them with that hole of a guy who could, you could use in these situations. Like how many use Riley and Brody, against top lines is just like that's that's not what you want especially yeah. if brody is this it's um, not good enough yeah yeah what do you make of the robertson thing by the way and and what do you think like would you trade him would you send him to the marley's would i you, wouldn't would you play him more what would i you see do? people are saying that like you're not going to get anything for him if you trade him. that's true yeah. you're not going to get anything i think he's useful as a depth scoring guy who can put in like that was a big goal that he scored he can convert yeah. on those chances I think Domi's assisted on almost every single one of his goals. Domi's good at setting up a guy like that. I know they're not playing very much, but they kind of need that little bit of depth scoring that they're getting there. You know, it's a sheltered line that doesn't play that much. I don't know. It's it's tough because I can see what Keefe is seeing with Robertson where he doesn't trust him and doesn't feel like he can play him, needs to shelter him and needs to play him in the offensive zone. I I see all that. But they don't have a lot of guys like Gregor's not scoring those goals. And McMahon's they not going to score those goals. Camp's not going to yeah. score those goals. Like Robertson has limitations, but what he does is something they need. Yeah, it's just like the problem. I think is he can't play in your top six, where ideally you would use a player like him. And then when you play him with Domi, that line becomes so. Like you're just terrified to play them, so you don't play them. So those guys like barely play in the third period yeah. against Seattle, missing all those guys. Like that tells you what you need to know. Like Robertson didn't even play nine minutes. Yeah. Uh, well, is there is there there's minutes. not really there's not really a way to play Robertson on with two good defensive players because they don't they don't have they don't have option. Them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's where it's like the the thing to, to your point. Like he is a restricted free agent after this year. His contract's up. He is helpful, like looking ahead to next year with, you know, the four basically $11 million plus players. Well, he probably just has to sign like his qualifying offer. Like he's not going to get a lot of money with like you're no. playing 10 minutes a game and you're not in the lineup every night. Like, so if, if you're trading him and not getting very much, what I don't know what the point is. Like you might as well bring him back next year, making 900 K and hope that he continues to develop. I mean, what, what was he 23 now? I think he's still only 22, actually. Uh, yeah, he's 22. So, I know people are frustrated, but I mean, he just might top out as as a, a third-line guy who can bang in some goals. And to me, that's worth keeping on because he's going to be cheap. They need cheap guys. I just, I, I don't, unless there's some team out there that's like, yeah, we'll give you a good defenseman. I mean, it's just not going to, it's not realistic. It reminds yeah, me but, of the talk when people were, you know, the Leafs should trade Jeremy Bracco in a second round pick and yeah. get a top four yeah. defense to get a top pair defenseman. It's just that's not the way that it works. He's been more successful than Bracco, but that's like a, a good point in over evaluating prospects. And he's not a prospect anymore, but like he could be a part as part of a bigger trade, right? Where you're trading multiple pieces and he's like the young player X that crappy team Y can build into their lineup, play him more. I, like I could see that. Like he's not going to be the attraction, the main attraction in any trade. Um, and like, if you had different personnel, maybe you could protect him more and play him more. And like, he doesn't even play on their power play. Like that's, that's part of the, the, the deal when you have someone like who can shoot the puck like that. And there's not even a spot for him there. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's, 
he he needs to get better in decision making. Like it's not. I know he's not the greatest skater in the world, but it's just. I, I like I said, I can see what Keith is seeing where he doesn't trust him. But I just I don't I feel like it's not time to give up on him yet either. Fair. Um, let's touch briefly on the Ryan Reeves situation. Luke Fox uh, of Sportsnet talked to, to Reeves, and he had some well interesting comments. Comments that would probably make me squirmish, squeamish, squeamish a little bit if I was in the front office or in the coaching staff. It's a really weird situation. Like he has been practicing with the team for weeks. He has said he's been healthy for weeks, and yet he's been on IR. It almost feels like they've just been stashing him there because clearly they're in no rush to play him. There's not really a spot for him. What do you think happens here with Ryan Reeves? I mean, I think this is the beginning of the end. I think when a player comes out like that and is as brutally honest as they are about not being happy with their lot on the team, the tough thing, like if he was on a one-year deal and he was UFA at the end of the year, he'd be easy to move. You know, if you waived him, someone would claim him. You could trade him somewhere. You could send him to a team that's struggling, that's looking for, you know, some physicality and a culture change veteran kind of guy. But with the two more years on the deal, it's going to be tough. And it's bad timing, too, for him to come out and talk now. The team's struggling, all the negative headlines. To add to that, doesn't to me, it doesn't make any sense to do that in the position that he's in. Yeah, you're right. Like, in that situation, I guess you'd prefer him to be like, you know, listen... Uh, like, it's not... I don't know. I don't know what you say in that situation. Well, he, like could, I, I he could just say, I, I, I'm I, ready. I want to play. And... Yeah, you know, I hope I hope that I get in, right? I mean, it's I get it though. I mean, these guys have a lot of pride. I mean, I remember when Wayne Simmons came out and he talked about how disappointed he was. And I just don't see, even if they have a couple of injuries, do you play Reeves? Like I, I don't they're they're scrambling to get points and they're scrambling to play, to get minutes from for the fourth line that don't hurt them, which has been a problem yeah. all year. And I, I just don't see a world where Keith wants to play Reeves. Right. Well, like you're talking about who can he trust? Like that's, he's not someone you can trust. Like in that line, that line's taken a little bit of a step back of late, but like at least that line you could play. And like you go back to some of those Reeves games as the season wore on, like they stopped playing him some nights, like in the second period, like they just, he was unplayable. Like he, he, he's not to me, he's not an NHLer at this point. Like he's, it kind of seems like turned- that seems like an addition that the coach was never on board with. Like I can't imagine that Sheldon Keefe wanted Ryan Reeves. Why would he? Why would he I want him? To say no. <laughs> why? You know, like I don't know. Well, and it was such a tough spot. Like he didn't have a contract. New GM comes in. Would it? Like I'm just. I, who knows what happened? But what are you going to say? Like no, I don't want this guy that you really want. Clearly, that you're going to give a three year contract to. This was so foreseeable. Like this is exactly what I thought would happen. He wouldn't. He'd stop playing. They wouldn't be able to play him. And now it's like you're in a really. I, get, I think you just wave them, James, honestly. Yeah, I hope no, I know. Him in his body I mean, send him to the Marlies. If I knew they were going to get in a position where they had to wave them because at some point they were going to need the cap space to do something to improve the roster. But the question now is, do they need the cap space? Like, are they going to add like a four or $5 million player? Is that even going to happen now, even though they have the cap space? I think they have to do something. Even if it's taking a player who's struggling from another team and using the cap space that way, yeah, for sure. And and like I know it's easy to be like, wow, it's only 1.35 million. But yeah, but like they could have used that money on two players. Like they could have gotten two depth forwards. Like I look at someone like Boston signs Danton Heinen, I think that, like in training camp, useful player, making 775. They obviously had a hat trick trade, the other night. Right? Like they trade Sam Lafferty for nothing for because they signed Ryan Reeves. You know who's a useful depth player? Sam Lafferty who has double digit goals this season playing for Vancouver. So it's just like, there are a lot of like ramifications of that, that contract, which was just like mind blowing when they signed it. So like, I wonder if they could go, I, I've watched San Jose a little bit. Um, <laughs> just, just because I'm it's a tough I'm, watch because I'm a sick person, but like Mikhail Granlin has played pretty well for them. He's been, yeah. putting, he's been putting up points. He's got, you know, he makes 5 million. You'd have to say to San Jose, like, Hey, if we can bring him in at 3 million or something, at least, there's someone who 
at, when he was younger was a good defensive player and a good offensive player. And I wonder if he could, cont- I don't know, like that might be the, it's not exciting, but that might be the kind of thing that the Leafs have to look at where it's like, get someone who can just give you something different than what you've got. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think he has another year left on his contract, he does. but yeah, if like, if you can get San Jose to eat half and yeah. Playing with playing with Yarncroc, and then you know maybe you've got a third line that can can give you something. I know yeah, Grant, Granlin's like, a player that the Leafs have liked in the past. Yeah, smart player. Yeah, like he he would fit for what they need. Like they just need more. They need to be able to build some lines that can do something. Like look, their bottom two lines. Like what do they do? Like that that Domi line is supposed to be a great offensive line. It's okay. Like it's not like it's a world beater. And then the camp line is supposed to be like this line you can really use defensively. And it's like, they don't really use them that much for that. So like, what do they don't score ever? What, what do they do? So, and then like you go up the lineup, it's like, well, the second line is, is really scuffling. Like Neander was so hot and like driving that line through the first two and a half months of the year. And like, he's cooled down a bit and the other guys just haven't had it. I mean, I don't know what you make of this Bertuzzi run, but I think I've been thinking a lot about your point on one of the earlier podcasts about exploring a trade. And like, I don't think that that's the worst idea. I just don't know who you're trading him to. Like what team is like going to be excited to uh, get a guy who has one goal, but like I mean, he is a, solid he is a the name and, in, in the past. Yeah. And I, th- I think he, it would be possible to move him. Yeah, you're probably right. And just swap him for someone else making... And I, yeah. I, some, I know some people when we talked about it on, was that last week or two weeks ago? When we talked about that, you know, some people pointed out that, you know, the underlying numbers for Bertuzzi are good. And, you know, yeah, they, have a they, look at them recently, James. They're not, they're not as good as they were. Honestly, coming he, back down to earth. he looks disinterested or I don't know. Like, no, I think some games he's, I, and Sheldon Keith kind of alluded to this where in like big games, you can see he's more competitive. And then some of the other games is like less so. And I think that's it. Like some games, like you can see he's like into it. And then other games, it's just like not into it and not, not much happening. Yeah. Yeah. They need more from him. They need like, they need, they need actual offense from him and it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. I mean, I'd almost be tempted to put him back with Matthews and Marner and see if you can make that work. I mean, I know it didn't work last time, but desperate times right now. Yeah, I mean, and this looks in some ways kind of like the year he had last year, which is a little bit like, I don't know, like he shot 7.5% last year, uh, eight goals in 50 games, 30 points. Well, he doesn't shoot the puck very much. Is like, like He doesn't he, shoot it at all, you're he, right. He has good looks, and then it's just, you know, overpassing it, and yeah, I don't, they have so many players right now that are not playing well. Yeah. They have so yeah. many. And so in past years when they've been in these funks, you're right, like under Keefe, they've had they've had funks and then they've put together runs and they're like, okay, now they look really good and you can sort of start to believe that there could be something there. Like that happened multiple times last year and the year before, but I don't think it's happened at all this year. I mean, like if you go back, one of the last pieces I wrote was, I think it was mid-November and it was like, basically the headline was the Leafs are in trouble. And there's a lot that hasn't, like what has gotten better since then? Not a lot. Well. They did go on that 10-1-4 and four run, but to me, and I wrote about this and we talked about this, it always felt like fool's gold a little bit. Like it, if you look deeper at it, it wasn't super impressive. It was like a lot of like they were just getting points. And I mean, they're still right near the bottom of the league in regulation wins, which is like an alarming thing. They don't lead that much compared think, to other teams. I think one of the things that, there should be heat on the coaching staff for is how can the penalty kill be so bad? And I know you're going to say personnel, but like the the system is supposed to be able to succeed with different personnel in it. Like there, there's, there's something seriously wrong. And the other thing too, if you're saying personnel, they got to try some different players there. Like stop playing Giordano on the top penalty kill unit. Like it's just not working. Yeah. I'm with you there. I mean, to your point, like some, a lot of this has been like experienced penalty killers, like Camp, Marner, Brody, Giordano, but yes. like Giordano is like the oldest player in the league. Should he really be on your number one penalty killing unit? No, use Benoit then, there more. Like, you yeah. know, like try play little yeah. more on the penalty. Yeah. I mean, little is one. Yeah. Logan like is pretty good at like getting in the lane and blocking shots. And I think one of the things with Logan is he might just be more of a, 
he just might not have as much offense as I think some people were anticipating he would. Yeah, he's kind of like in between both. Like he's not this amazing defensive player and he's not like this amazing offense. Like he's just fine. Like he's maybe that's just what he is. Like he's just like you said, he's just like a four or five. I don't know. Like, what do you think his next, co- what would you sign his next contract if you could just sign it? Like, he's RFA. I think he has Arbright's. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I last did the cap projections, I had him at like two years at 2.7 or something like that. Like, kind of like a bridge deal, basically. Yeah. And that would help you gain more evidence on like what the hell he is. Yeah. I, th- I think that you don't know what he is yet. Right. So in the NHL, most top 4D get paid, you know, four and a half plus, and most third pair D are coming in and, you know, not very much, a million, million and a half. Um, and he's kind of in the in-between where you don't know if he's in, should be in your top four every night. Um, yeah. So well, I think, James, like, I think yeah, that's probably ahead. where the, I think that's where the contract goes. I mean, it depends how the second half of the season goes, but the number of minutes he plays is going to have a big impact on that contract. Um, and I don't know what it would look like if he went to arbitration. It's it's hard to say because defenseman contracts can be all over the place. But when I ran comparables for him, that's kind of where about where he landed. Well, he's like not playing that much more than last year. He's playing 19 minutes. He played almost 18 last year. One of the old things we always go back to, and like it was a Randy Carlisle-ism, that it, it takes like 300 games before a defenseman really figures it out. Lilgren has played 169. Yeah, three hundred seems a bit high. Like you should start it does seem get, a bit high. Yeah, and we've seen read on players earlier th- than that. Yeah, and I think like we've seen some recent examples with the Leafs, like Travis Dermott, Rasmus Sandin, where it's like it became pretty clear that this is kind of what these guys are, and they move them. And I, I don't know that they're there yet, but you're 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 not. I think Lilgren's better than both those guys. I think he's better than Dermott and and Sandin. I think the Sandin one's interesting. I mean, Sandy's playing a million minutes this year. Too many minutes. Um, yeah, oh, we'll interesting. See. I mean, Sand, talk about offense disappearing. Like, Sandy hasn't... Oh, how many points does he have? Uh, Been a struggle 11. for him there. And has yet to score, yeah. And he's playing 22 minutes a game. But he's playing 22 minutes a game for a playoff team, if I'm not mistaken. Are they in the playoffs right now? Uh, yeah, uh, I, they, they're, right, they're right around there. I know they, they beat us the other day. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway... Uh, all right. Well, there's a lot going on. That was a that was a fun podcast. Thank you to Frankie Corrado. Uh, it'll be the Leafs have their bye week after they play Winnipeg twice, um, and then it's All Star break. Are you going to watch the All Star game this year? Oh, I heard you're going to be there. I know. So excited. Are so you, excited. this is probably the only way we could get you to go to cover an All Star <laughs> yes. game. This is the only way. It would have to be. That's it. <laughs> I talked to you and I was like, we, "You got to cover All Star." Like, I know it's not. The last one I went to, I went to the one in San Jose, which was 2019, I want to say. Okay. Um, and I was there for meetings and stuff like that. But I had been to enough All-Star games that I booked my flight home. And I flew home. I went to the airport when the game was on. <laughs> so I was there you know, for like media day, the skills, like the access to the players and stuff. But when the actual game was being played, I was at the airport. And I felt pretty good about that decision that year. That's what I'll do. I'll just leave before the game starts. I think the last one I can remember covering was, was uh, it must have been like 2018 because I remember John Tavares talking about his contract. Like it was the last year of his contract with the Islanders and there was like, well, are you going to sign a contract? And he was like, well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, How many All-Star remember, games have you been to? I, mean, I, I, went I to no one. Idea. I went to the one in Montreal, which I think was, I want to say 2009. And Mike Komisarek was on the team. Oh, man. He was like the fan vote in, I think. And he just had this huge smile on his face. Like he was just like, it was like a fan getting voted in or something. Not not to say that, you know, I don't know. Some of those stories are kind of good. I remember, and I remember talking to like Jay Bomeister and Dan Boyle and like, it's, I don't know. The All-Star Games, whatever. I'll just say, James. It's for kids, right? Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. I just really wish it mattered more to the league, to the players. And like they took who they picked seriously instead of doing this, this nonsense thing where every team gets a player and then doing this random fan vote thing. Like I wish it really mattered. Like I wish we could look back on players' careers and be like, this guy went to this many all star games. That's amazing. And you just can't because like Morgan Riley makes his first all star game this year. It's like, well, I don't know. Like it's well, Mitch Marner is an all-star like this. Mitch Marner hasn't had a great year. He shouldn't be an all-star. Like it should be 
representative of the season instead of just like this random collection. Well, I got trivia for you. Do you know which all- player in the All-Star game this year has been to the most All-Star games and how many they've been to? And Ovechkin didn't make it, right? He is not there, no. Is it... Kucherov? I don't Crosby? think you'll I don't think you'll ever get it. I thought it was going to be Crosby, but it's not because this is I think this is only his sixth one. Like exactly. That's the point. This is his sixth all-star game for one of the five best players ever. That's crazy. Who is I, I'm pretty sure number one is McDavid. I'm pretty Are I'm you pretty, serious? I'm pretty sure just because he's been there every year. Well, and this would be seven for Matthews. Year. Uh I don't think so. Yeah, he's been every year he was eligible, and there was only one year he wasn't eligible. This is his eighth but, season. But did they didn't yeah. have all-stars during like COVID and stuff, right? Yeah, but that was one year. That was the one year he, he didn't. I, I don't know. I was looking at the list, and the only player that had seven was McDavid, I believe. Wow, that's insane. That's crazy. Unless I, I, I hope I don't have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's right. Was was Matthews hurt one year? Didn't, didn't he go like in street clothes one year? Yeah, but he's like every year he's been put on the team. In one way, yeah. I don't know if that year counted as him on the roster or not. I don't. Anyway, but it's just you know there've been a lot of All Star games missed for various reasons. Uh, Back when they, I mean, that's going way back. But when they had the Olympics, they used to not. I mean, there's just like for Crosby to for this to be his sixth one is is hard to believe. Yes, I I just think I think the players should take it more seriously. The PA should like. I don't know what the involvement is. Like the PA should like demand like this is. Let's do this for real. Like, let's actually pick the, the all stars who are all stars. Maybe, maybe you have coaches vote. Maybe you have fans vote for like a few players. Have media vote. Like, have like a wide representation, kind of like how they do it in the NBA. Like in the NBA, James, it matters so much. Like, it's such a big deal if you make the all star team in the NHL. It's like, like I know it meant a lot to William Nealander to make the all star game, but like it kind of weakens it a bit. Like when other guys who aren't deserving, like Boone Jenner, is like two hundredth in the league in scoring. He's an all star, really. So, anyway. It's funny, you know, I thought everyone was going to be up in arms over the Leafs having four players there, but no one can complain because Vancouver has five. <laughs> All those guys deserve it, honestly. Like, that's that's one I don't really have a problem with. Do you? Yeah, so you can't be down on the fan vote then. They put in the people that are supposed to be put in. Eh, sort of they did. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. I think you're overthinking uh, it, Jonas, because no one really cares. So, I mean... But they should care. It should matter. It should it should be something. Like it should be an honor, like a really big honor to make the All-Star team. And you should be able to look back at Crosby's career and be like, he went to 14 All-Star games. Like that's crazy. And he went to it six. It used to be. I remember in the nineties you used to be able to say that and like, wow, Ray Bork's been this is his 17th skills competition, and now he's gonna knock all those targets down again. And I used to watch it every year when I was, you know, 12, 13 yeah. years old. And see, I like that. Like and James, like LeBron James has been to 19 All-Star games. He's tied mm-hmm. for the most ever. Like that's mm-hmm. that's cool. That's representative of the career he's had. Anyway, uh so You know, I, I want to say one more thing, Jonas. If sure. if uh, we have a lot of fans in Toronto that listen to this, what I would say is don't spend your money to go to the All-Star game. Do not do it. Like maybe go to <laughs> there's like some fan events at the convention center and stuff and I think the tickets are like 10 bucks. Like that stuff's fine. Bring your kids to that. Do not pay $250 a ticket to the Golden of the All-Star Game because you will be disappointed for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not amazing. I, I actually went one year when it was in Ottawa and Drake performed before he was like, Drake? And like the buzz was just not there. Anyway. All right. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks to Punch, our producer. Thank you to Frankie Carrado. Honestly, check out Frankie's stuff online, on TV. He's awesome. Like he's a star. Uh, That's it. Thanks, James.